0: Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host Brandy Stark, and tonight uh, we have J.C. Ski, a book author, who is going to tell us not only about his book, but a little bit about a paranormal experience that he and a canine friend had, and how that experience impacted his book. And we're going to get started with that right after these messages.
1: Take a bite out of your competition
0: All right, and welcome back to Paranormal Pets. All right, so with me,
2: I have J.C. Ski. Hello out there, how are you doing? Good evening, Brandy. It is a pleasure being here. I have looked forward to this for several weeks.
0: Yes, for those of you who don't know, we have just had all sorts of uh, fun trying to set this up, but we are determined because this actually sounds really so fascinating and a lot of fun. And the book is adorable and it's got a great history, but it's just been one of those weird Every now and again, we have a few gremlins, but we have worked through them. But we're more apropos to have gremlins than on a paranormal pet show, right?
2: Yeah, but here's the thing. Gremlins and little delays in life. Sometimes those delays put a soul where they're supposed to be at a certain moment. That's happened to me more often than I could tell you. We'll have to have another talk another time. And more often than not, it involved a dog. So the, the, the timing right now. I'm under a tornado watch, which is kind of scary, almost like paranormal, sort of. And you might hear some uh, rumbles of thunder now and then. You've got the thunder. I've got the pug grumble. So our
0: audience will have lots of great background noise today.
2: No need to add sound effects that are already here.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't even have to do anything. They just naturally come with the territory. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're an author, but where are you located? What do you do? How did you get into books?
2: Uh, My family and I, we live in a little town called Millersville, Maryland, beautiful little town halfway between Inner Harbor and Annapolis. Like I tell my uh, friends, I could drive to uh, Inner Harbor in 20 minutes, but if I want to park, it's two hours. I'm probably the luckiest person that you'll ever talk to or interview. I celebrated my first actual Father's Day about four weeks before my 49th birthday. Oh, my goodness. We have a beautiful little girl who flew in under the radar. And I'm very blessed. I have been around dogs my whole life. I think part of my personal formation was probably influenced by a tragedy that occurred when I was nine years old. My Mm -hmm. family lost our home in Hurricane Agnes, and uh, we lost two dogs. And, uh, you know, that's that's, that's something that, you know, will stay with you. You know, you get over it. But it's interesting because the flood was the Susquehanna River overflowing its banks in Wyoming Valley. And I eventually relocated pretty darn close to the Chesapeake Bay, which was formed by the Susquehanna River. So uh, it's funny how, you know, subtle little events have an effect on you. That's right. That's
0: right. And while I was a Floridian, I'm certainly very sensitive to the whole idea of hurricanes. I, You know, you have to either hunker down or flee. And it's it's a hard thing, particularly when you have more than one pet. And this place is, uh, well, it's a zoo, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. But it is interesting. And I, I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, it, you just have to go with it. And it's the synchronicity. And you get where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, even,
2: even with the tragedy. So, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's a plan, you know, that is out there for all of us. And you just have to sometimes be open to go with it. You had asked about the book and, you know, why I started writing it or whatever. Some people write because they feel they want to make a living at that. Some people write for, you know, therapeutic reasons. And I guess that's kind of more where um, I started because as another host of a podcast that I did a while back, put it and put it so eloquently. Having a dog will bless you with some of the happiest days of your life and also one of the worst. Yeah. So when you lose a dog, it's really heartbreaking. It's hard. And I had to, you know come to some grips with that and and the love that it takes to say goodbye to a dog, especially, and you have to put them down. And that was really the basis for the book. I had come up with the idea that you ask yourself the question, is your dog your best friend? Uh Yeah, my best friend. I love him. Would you do anything for your best friend? Yeah, I'd do anything for him. I love him. And that's where Uh the rub comes in, Brandy, because anything can be unpleasant and anything can be heartbreaking And what the dog is literally asking you to do at that terrible moment is to take away the pain and suffering that they are feeling in their body every day. You see it when they walk, you see it when they eat, you see it when they try to relieve themselves. You take that away from them. You take it because you're their friend. They're your best friend. And you put it in your own heart and you hold it in your heart for a while. And it takes the love of a best friend to do that. So that I I actually wrote the last chapter first. And then I kind of worked back and I I, I made it a um, a circle of life story, you know, from the beginning to the end. What's the title of the book that we're talking about? Before we go any
0: further, let's make sure everybody knows what it is.
2: (laughs) Thank you. It is called Frankie, the biggest dog that ever was. And it is the mostly incredibly true story of a little dog who believed he was big and being big is a universal idea. Every kid wants to be big, and uh-huh. the book explains a little bit of what that really means. You know, being big isn't just, you know, getting bigger and growing into bigger-sized clothes. There's a lot that goes into it, and, and um, I think kids and adults see themselves through Frankie. I've had adults actually tell me, you know, I find myself repeating phrases from your book. I know it's a kid's book, but, you know, I got something out of it, too, so that makes me very happy and satisfying. A book should, you know, a story should make you laugh, maybe cry, and, and certainly make you think. And I think that the the book does that well.
0: Excellent. Now, you mentioned when we were talking ahead of time
2: that uh, your book has some really special illustrations. Do you want to tell us about that really quickly? Absolutely. My beautiful six-year-old daughter, do- well, my beautiful soon-to-be 10-year-old daughter, Jordan. Oh, wow. Did three of the illustrations when she was only six years old. So that kind of um, puts my book in a smaller category. You know, children's books actually illustrated by a child. That's something (laughs) you don't see all that often, but she's a wonderful artist. She's very, very creative, and uh, people love those pictures. The whole book is illustrated really, really well. I had a wonderful layout artist, Pamela from Delaney Designs. I'd like to throw a plug out to her because she's great. Great to work with, unbelievably talented, gifted, and has been in the business a long, long time and really knows a lot. She was great. Well,
0: a couple of the, the ideas that we're talking about, and we're going to get to that extra chapter, that bonus chapter, but let me just ask you, you know, why do you think that dogs exhibit, they have and they exhibit uh, kind of the, the sensitivity towards paranormal phenomenon? Where do you think that comes from?
2: I've given that a lot of thought. And in a word, I would say, you know, history, you know, I mean, the the relationship between humans and canines predates civilization itself. It's yes. arguably the most successful interspecies relationship in the history of the world. And part of the reason for that is they have always been our eyes and our ears. That's true. And I think you would be hard pressed to find a person who hasn't heard a story you know first or second hand or seen something on a tv show or heard it wherever read something about it where a child was lost in the wilderness or wandered away from her home maybe they had you know some sort of an issue or something and the police couldn't find them and the parents couldn't find them and the friends and the neighbors who finds that child more often than that seems like it was a dog that's right and in fact
0: it, that's even the premise right of of the lassie shows right yeah uh, that oftentimes get parodied you know what lassie timmy fell into the well because she was <laughs> always rescuing you know the little
2: boy but it, it seems uh, like, like right. they rescue us pretty pretty regularly from ourselves sometimes you know i agree i you absolutely know? agree i know there was a point
0: that i was going through a job change and boy i mean it was just It was hard to get up some days, but, you know, you've got these chipper little guys all around you and uh, they're happy and they want you to be happy. And so, you know, you get up and you particularly feed them because that's what pugs want. (laughs) Yeah, feed us. But yeah, they absolutely, uh, they become a lifeline and we're finally catching up in the West more and more seeing that lifeline connection. Uh, We know that folks live longer if they have pets. You know, we're seeing people leave pets' property in their wills. Honestly, it's taken a little while, but I think that the whole pet phenomenon really started taking off in this country, really in the 70s and 80s. Um, We've seen more and more uh, animal rights coming through. Yeah. I just think that's great. I mean, honestly, you know, it's kind of interesting. I have a friend who has one cat left. And I said, well, you're going to get another one. And she said, well, no, because she and her husband want to travel. And I totally get it. But it also makes me so sad because I personally cannot imagine a household without pets, without, you know, animals and everything moving. (laughs) You know, The bugs are everywhere. We've got bearded dragons and I've got pet rats and everybody's active. And, you know, I just, I think it's kind of, I think it would be just so quiet. I can't, I can't picture it quieter than this household. Yeah, I hear him.
2: I hear him back there. My goal at any given day is to be as happy as my dog. That's it. I never quite get as happy as him. He doesn't care. This is something else that I gave a lot of thought to. If a dog has a nice home, they have so many advantages over humans. Think about it. Number one, they have no concept of money. They yes. don't care. They don't stress out if they can't make the bills. They don't get themselves in trouble if they have too much of it laying around. Have you ever heard of a dog with a cocaine problem? Have you ever heard good. of a dog that had to go to Gamblers Anonymous? No, nah, not so much. Not yet, anyway. They are a perfect example of joy and, and happiness. and contentment.
0: I think that's why they're so good for paranormal investigation, too, and with the ghost phenomenon, because... I think they simply accept the reality that they have. I mean, there's not, I've been doing paranormal investigation for 24 years now. And, you know, what I get a, a lot and I do this, you know, did that really happen? Because our, our tendency is to rationalize. And I think yes. animals are, particularly dogs and canoids of all sorts are just very in the moment and they're very accepting of what's going on. And they respond to the reality rather than overthink it. So that's why I have paranormal pugs, but they only come on special cases. I've had to check the location. There's a whole list of rules that I have for myself to keep them safe. You know, it can't be dangerous. I have to permission. I know where the vet is, just in case they have to be able to be off their leash and because I'm not pushing them anywhere they don't want to go. or at least you know, they have to be able to take a lead. So uh, I think that's where they really do become very valuable.
2: There's a certain depth to that simplicity that they have. And I I think uh, as people, especially in this day and age where, you know, things are just happening so quickly. And if you're not, you know, if you're not multitasking, you're not even taking your next breath. We've been, we've literally painted ourselves into a corner where we're running faster and faster every day on that hamster wheel that we invented for ourselves that we know is going to kill us. And yeah. the dog is over in the corner looking at us going like, man, what are you stressing out about? Just chill. You know." Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's why it's interesting
0: because there's new surveys coming out that say people would rather be with their pets than other people. And, uh, you know, I tell folks here you know, there's a reason why i live my house with my pets and I'm good for that. Well, you mentioned that your paranormal experience uh, impacted your book. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to go into that a little bit and then we'll take a break, but let's see what you got. What is
2: your actual event that inspired your special bonus chapter? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The odds are so great of this happening or not happening that I don't think there's a bookie anywhere that would take, take the bet. Frankie was an incredible dog. Okay. He was a Jack Russell Terrier. He lived to be 20 years, four months old. Wow. 20 years, four months. That's a long time. We had him for 17 years. Wow. Randy, in 17 years, he woke us up in the middle of the night with a nightmare one time. Once. It was a Saturday night. The following day, we get a phone call. Our best friend who had given him to us. Frankie's former master died of a heart attack that night. Wow. You want to take a bet on that? I mean, what are the odds? That Those are big odds. 17 years, one nightmare. Yeah. Former yeah. master died that night. And it just it blew me away. And I used to watch the original Twilight Zone with um, Rod, Rod Sterling. Rod you Sterling, know, yeah. yeah just, uh, such an iconic guy, such an incredible show, so far ahead of its time. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember there was uh, one episode called The Hunt where um, this man and his dog died, and they find themselves on Eternity Road, and they're walking along, and they're walking along, and they come to a man at a gate. Well, that's familiar, right? Okay, yeah, I'm the keeper of the gate. Dogs aren't allowed in here. Man says, well, you know, then I'm not going either. Comes to find out that was the wrong gate. There was a reason. And then, you know, Rod Serling comes on at the end and says, travelers to unknown regions would be well advised to bring along the family dog. He might just save you from entering the wrong gate. And and, and you and I talked about this a little bit. I had actually researched it. It's a very old idea, but it it crosses cultures. Um, I know the Samaritans, possibly the Egyptians. You had mentioned the Inuits. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot of cultures around the world that believe when a man dies, his soul is supposed to seek out his dog in this world right? because the dog knows where to go better in the next world and especially where not to go. And if you don't think that a dog's got better intuition than a person, you know what? Right. I agree with you. I think dogs know very well what they're dealing with. I, I think they're incredibly intuitive. Yeah. And, I, yeah. And Here's the thing. As an author, you get a chance to talk to people. You get a chance to talk to other dog people when you write a, a story about a dog, right? Right. And, you know, people would read that bonus chapter and two things about it. Number one, I think all of us, or at least most of us, have a certain inner child that wants to believe that when our soul leaves this world, We will be reunited with our best friend in the next world. I hope so. Yeah. But yeah, that um, that idea goes a long way. So I modeled that bonus chapter around that Twilight Zone episode. But yeah, it is based on a real life event. You know, and Frankie had a dream, and you know, I think he took a trip that night in his dream. And uh, a little bit of my Christian upbringing comes through there because as they're walking, they find the pathway that they're going to much more difficult than the pathway to. Hell, you know, that was the easy place to go. So yeah. you know, they're 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 having to climb a big hill and crossing over ditches and you know, lots of obstacles, and then they finally get there and it's the most beautiful thing that they've ever seen. It's just this field as far as the eye could see with people playing with their dogs.
0: Oh, it's kind of like the Elysian fields, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So when oh. I talk to people and they talk to me about that chapter, they they give me some of their own experiences.
0: Let's pause here. Let's uh, We're going to make these folks hear a few of our sponsors. And when we get back, let's go ahead and go into some of those stories. Does that sound good?
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to be right back with some actual paranormal stories as well, right after these messages.
3: Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you
1: can say... Bigfoot don't run away for those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through many times this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss in and i love you still a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet dr julianne corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing for those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I love you still. A Thoughtful Guide and Remembrance Journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <laughs>
3: Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost
0: host, Brandy Stark. All right, so we are here. We are back with J.C. Ski, who is telling us some of the paranormal stories he has gotten over the years.
2: Yeah, so I was talking about the bonus chapter and how our inner child wants to believe that we will be reunited when we leave this world we, with our best friend, and right. it's a you know fairly common idea. So I remember one story I was told: a woman had her mother in hospice, and her sister was coming to visit. And the sister had to travel quite a distance, you know, to get to town. And she finally gets there, and they're talking about you know they're they're catching up on things and they're getting ready to go see their mother in, in hospice care. And suddenly the dog starts howling and howling and then it starts crying and it's 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 excited it's agitated it's you know and then it's kissing their hands and you know what's wrong buddy what's wrong and the dog is just you know very very um agitated right within 20 minutes they got a phone call from the hospice saying that their mother had unfortunately passed away Oh, wow. And I hear those stories that are similar, you know, with regularity. It's really strange. There was another house. I'm an energy auditor by my uh, day job. And I had done an an energy audit on a home that was honest to God, uh, inhabited by a poltergeist. And the reason I know that for sure is because when I looked it up on the Maryland State real estate tax assessment site, that house had gone through four owners in nine years. Yeah, it's usually a sign. It's a nice house in a nice neighborhood. You'd you take a look at it, it's like, this is yeah, we wouldn't mind living here. Eh, think again. But the, here's the weird part. without getting really far into it, these women were telling me these stories, and they still had uh, two dogs in the house at that time. And one of the things that was strange is that when people are under a situation where there's a spirit that's inhabiting their domicile, their, their area, the tendency is to freak out. Their right. dogs never barked, never had their fur on their neck of their, or their back, you know, go up or anything. They would just sort of watch and, and look and, you know, their heads would, you know, move with sounds that the people would be hearing and seem to be fine with it. So it, it, it's kind of strange how I think as humans, we're a little scared of leaving this world to the next. And I don't think dogs are. I mean, when, when, when Frankie, you know, on his last day... Oh, geez, I hope, I don't know if you could hear that uh, siren out there, but I did mention we were under a tornado watch. Yeah, be so. careful, be careful. Let me know if we have to wrap up quickly, but okay. But um, yeah, when Frankie, I'll just put it to you this way. And here's how I end the book. I'll just read a little bit of it. When we got to the vet's office, Frankie knew the building. He usually did not want to go in. This day though, weak as he was, he jumped onto the sidewalk and waited for me to open the door he walked in without a care. I can only hope that when the day comes for my soul to leave this world, I can face the moment with the same courage, grace, and dignity as my big dog. Randy, he was fine with it. You could learn something from a dog. That's right. I have told people
0: that all my life that, I mean, folks sometimes ridicule having pet rats. And I'm like, why? Because they live, they are very joyful creatures. And when it's time to pass on, there's just a level of acceptance. And I think... I think you're right. I have learned so much more from my animals, I think, in this in this realm that, I mean, I think it's because it's a natural phenomenon. It's not, I don't know, humans have, well, actually, I I have studied this a little bit. We, we have made death very sterile and very remote. So in the old days, you would have family members that were sick and they would pass away under your watch. And now we don't do that. Now we send them away and it's institutionalized and it's a lot colder. I mean, hospice is kind of trying to, a way to reverse that in a way, but for the most part, it's become clinical. And so, you know, we begin to fight death and we don't understand it and we don't know how it is such a natural
2: element. I love the phrase that you shared with me how you had also done some, well, obviously you've done a lot of investigating over the years. Many years. You said that um, dogs are guardians between realms. Yep, absolutely. I think that sums it up very well because it, yeah, does a dog see and hear things that we can't? Well, I'll put it to you this way. Frankie knew that we were pregnant long before we did, you know, yeah. how is yeah. that possible? You know, a, a dog can, you know, detect cancer. And people will say, well, there's a scent, there's a sniff, there's a this. Yeah, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. You know, it's the same, you know, skeptic that's going to say that, that the dog that, you know, found the child that was, you know, lost in the trail up in the woods somewhere was able to either smell it or hear it. Well, the child was quiet. And I don't think any, any animal could smell from miles away. I think they tune into, you know, some people believe this. A lot of people believe it, that everything in the universe is interconnected. Right, And if you could just find that synapse that goes from here to there, that allows you to see beyond the horizon. And a lot of people have that gift in one way, shape, or form, or another. I think dogs have it more than we do. I, I think they are, their world has not changed that much in 5,000 years, whereas ours no. have. And yeah. I, I think they know things that maybe our ancestors knew and were able to employ on a daily basis that we've lost. Brandy, there's so many Unexplained things in the world. Yeah, absolutely. When somebody thinks that they know everything, I run away from that person because a truly wise man or woman is smart enough to know how much they don't know. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it there's a Buddhist saying that Buddhist in Hindi
0: that's you don't want to be like the mountaintop where rain runs down, but you want to be like the valley where it gathers. You, when it comes to knowledge, you want to be receptive. I think that is kind of a, and maybe maybe that is. I think humans are very much full of our own hubris. We're very proud of ourselves. We like to think that we're in
2: control. And every yeah. now and then Mother Nature will come by and remind us who's really in control. It's that's not right. us.
0: It is not. If it yeah. was
2: us, we'd probably screw it up. So, you know, yeah. at least, we, at least uh, that's not the case because we're not in control and there are powers out there. There are, you know, just too many things that are you just can't explain. I think Fox can tune into that better.
0: Absolutely. And I think the other thing that we've lost, and, and it's definitely not preachy. I mean, understand I, I am a, a religious studies professor, but we've lost kind of that mystical understanding or we've taken ourselves away from nature. Uh, what we see is human construction rather than uh, natural construction. You know, you go into the Everglades and it's a mind-blowing experience because it's so different and it's so removed from humankind and uh, over the years we've we've definitely removed ourselves from that mystical experience. And again, the notion of, of taking control, it's uh, why we have anxiety, because we want to be in control and we can't be. I mean, we cannot control all situations. And I think that's where, again, the canines have it over us because I think they just respond. They just respond to what they want to or what they have to respond to. Or unless you're like my pug grumble here who insists on playing with each other right in the middle of a podcast, but you know they're going to do it. <laughs> So they, and I'm. That's
2: why I have them. They're supposed to be relieving my stress, right? I, I did mention my goal in any given day is to be as happy as my dog, right?
0: That's right. Well, they are having a great time. <laughs> so I've had to to kind of shoo them away a couple times during this podcast, but uh, they are going to play regardless. <laughs> so I guess I guess they've told me now. If folks are interested in finding your book, how can they find it, or how can they reach you?
2: Oh, it's pretty easy, actually. There's a website on Amazon. It's been up on Amazon for about a year, year and a half. It's got all five-star reviews. So if you if you do get the book, uh, please put a review out there. But easier than Amazon, here's a website you can remember. You ready? Yep. www.dogsaregoodpeople.com. But, you don't, but you don't spell out the R. It's just the letter R, like rough. Okay. So, dogsaregoodpeople.com. If you go there, uh, the book's a couple dollars less than Amazon, and I will personalize it for you, your family, your child for free. Oh, that's wonderful. That is fantastic. Yeah, and I've got big plans. You know, I, um, I did my first public reading at the Baltimore Ronald McDonald House, which is actually one of the most international Ronald McDonald houses in the United States. I mean, people come there from all over the country. There was one chapter that I wrote. From a standpoint, if I was a parent who had a child who was maybe facing surgery the following day, what could I read to that child that would give them, that would lessen their fear, that would you know uh, give them some courage? Because that's really what the book is all about, courage and kindness. So right. uh, there's lots of little life lessons in there. There's a lesson on how to make a friend, how to be brave, how to cope with change. The book actually gets bigger as you read it. And wow. uh, I think uh It's interesting because it really is for any age. It's about an hour's worth of reading. It's wonderfully illustrated. But yeah, I I would really love an opportunity if the book becomes very successful to visit families and children in hospitals, Uh, maybe get like a little Frankie doll, like you could squeeze, you could feel the heartbeat, like you used to have teddy bears that did that. Maybe Mm -hmm. you squeeze his paw and you'd have little sayings from the book like, if I'm here, then I have no fear. I'm me. That's all I need to be. You know, and Aww. just little things like that that could give a child, you know, some courage and some and some faith. And, you know, especially for the parents of that child, because my, my heart goes out to, um, you know, parents who um, have a child who has a serious uh, health issue. You yeah. Know, um, yep. you know, the kids at St. Jude's and some of the other children's hospitals around the country and around the world. Uh, and if I could help them, then, you know, the three years and the thousand tears that it took to write this book. It would be well worth it.
0: Absolutely. Well, I really want to thank you for all of your patience and working with (laughs) us through the gremlins, but I knew it would be a good interview and it really has been. And I really hope you are incredibly successful. I think the book sounds fantastic and I look forward to hearing back on how it's doing. Let me know. Um, And what I'm going to do at this point is I am going to remind folks, uh, we get to plug the spirits of St. Petersburg. We have just done a new case up at Brooksville, which is about an hour and a half from here at the Mirador, and one of our other members brought her puppy, a 12-year-old little girl named Lacey, and Lacey had a bit of uh, interaction. They stayed two days in a haunted house. We actually a haunted bed and breakfast and we joined them for a 5-hour investigation. So hopefully we'll have that coming up. But if you'd like to see some of those results, you're welcome to go to spiritsofstpete.com. Please remember to support your rescues, always, always. And until next time, happy haunting. Take care.
3: Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected.